have just tuned in to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And uh, we are very, very happy to be back with you. We are hope you, hoping that you are safe and sound wherever you are across the Steelers nation. A lot to get to. It's, um, as you all know, it is just incredibly unusual these days with uh, um, the way training camp is currently running lack of information and a lack of eyes and, and seeing things uh, uh, that we, we normally be able to get our own eyes on in the trove and stuff. So it's it's just is what it is. It's the way things are, and we'll just continue to keep grinding and do the best that we can. Um, but, again, we, we certainly hope that you are well. And I, I do want to pass on one other bit of really, really good news. With the Big Ten announcing that it's not playing this fall, I will not have to endure the embarrassment of another loss to Ohio State. Um, so, congratulations! You know, yeah, a lot of people were upset by the Big Ten canceling. I was not. I I, I just can't really? stand to see Harbaugh lose again. Um, and and actually, maybe it would have uh, sped up his uh, his removal from the head coaching position. But anyway, I digress. Uh, with me as usual, uh, Ian and Ben. And uh, Ian, uh, how are you this fine August evening? Doing good, doing good. Things in Pittsburgh are pretty good. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Ben, uh, how are things out in the Pacific Northwest? Well, let me see. It's my second Friday this week. Uh, I worked Monday, then I took Tuesday off and floated down a river and drank beer all day. That was really exhausting. And then I had to go back into work today, work a day. And uh-huh. uh, I'm taking the next four days off. Very nice. So, yeah, things are pretty good. Yeah, you, you can't argue with uh, two Fridays in one week. That's that, nope. that's very impressive. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, I want to dive into the running backs tonight of the Pittsburgh Steelers because I, I think there's going to be some really interesting things happening there over the course of the next month. And um, I think the Steelers would open, what do what, what, what they open? About one month exactly from, let's see, Friday? I think that's about right. Um, so we're, we're getting there. Of course, they'll open on a Monday night in New Jersey, <clears throat> New York. and um, It's New Jersey. Uh, it's Jersey. It's the middle name. Um this this backfield is crowded, um, and and you know if, if you look at the current roster or the current stable of running backs, we we know there's James Conner, and of course Benny Snell Jr. and and of course uh, Jalen Samuels, um, but you also have rookie Anthony McFarland, Trey Edmonds, uh, recently signed Wendell Smallwood, and and Kareth White. Somebody that is fairly talented is is probably going to get cut here. Um, but but first, uh, Ian, go ahead and just start with with your overall impressions of what you expect to see from this backfield. So my hope is that they'll actually rotate some guys through and not you know try and run Connor until the wheels come off because he's proven that if you do that to him, he's going to get hurt sooner rather than later. I mean his injury he suffered last year was because they were trying to get him to break his personal rushing record against um, the chargers in a game Mm -hmm. that they already had won. So, you know, he was in late in the fourth quarter in a game they easily could have plugged someone else into. Um, So really my hope is that they try and manage everyone and Mm -hmm. use more of a sort of running back by committee approach and 
they have the distribution of talent on the roster now to do that. Connor can be your Connor can do everything. I mean, Connor can run, Connor can mm-hmm. catch, and Connor is arguably the best blocker of the group too. Mm-hmm. Um, Not arguably, Benny, he is. <laughs> okay, yes, he is. Um, I, well, I guess if you're including Derek Watt as a fullback in that group, Watt's probably the well, best blocker. Well, okay, yeah, but, he probably is. Better blitz pickup, potentially. Yeah. Yes. Um, Benny Snell is your, you know, short yardage back. Your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, your guy you can, you can plug in there, especially at the end of games when you're winning, who can get you those first downs and run that four-minute offense to run out the clock. Um, and then you've got a handful of guys who are all kind of that third down scat back Moelde Moore type mold, right? That, or maybe not even Moelde Moore, because some of them are uh, McFarland and Smallwood and Kareth White are all kind of the same type player. Um, they're all, I'll call them like Darren Sproles light. That might be better than Moelde Moore. Uh, Darren mm-hmm. Sproles light. You know, they're, they're never going to be a full on, you know, Darren Sproles type player, but they're all sort of in that mold. They're fast, they're small, they yep. can get out and catch passes they can run sweeps to the outside um and they can get big chunk plays for you but you also can't depend on them to run the ball 20 times a game or even 15 times a game they got to be used in small doses here and there um and then you have jalen samuels who looked like he could kind of be that change of pace kind of guy he's much better running out of shotgun and running to the Mm. outside than he is running out of an eye formation and up the middle he just he's not good um you know, when he has to get in there between the tackles, he's much better running to the outside or even running like an inside counter play where he can bounce something back um, and kind of cut it against the grain. Right. They Samuels is an okay pass catcher. He was much better last year before his injury than after he came back from his injury. Agreed. Totally agree. Um, so hopefully he's recovered from that, but he could also kind of be the odd guy out here, depending on how many running backs they keep. Cause we've already gone through, you know, Connor's definitely making the team. Derek Watts definitely making the team. Benny, Smel- Benny Snell's their only uh, you know, short yardage back, so he's definitely making the team. They spent a draft pick this year on McFarland, so he's making the team. That's already, mm-hmm. you know, that's already four guys. So do they keep a fifth running back? And if they do, you know, is it a guy like Smallwood or White who can return kicks where Samuels doesn't give you much on special teams? Is it a guy like Samuels who, you know, in Tomlin terms is a been there, done that kind of guy who they know what they have with him, which in a year like this gives you some benefits. Um, And then Trey Edmonds is uh, Terrell Edmonds, brother, which, you know, Tomlin also seems to have some loyalty to, uh, family members of other guys on the <laughs> roster. And I mean, especially if you remember back to when they drafted Terrell Edmonds, how much he raved about like how great their family was as a football oh, yeah. family and their parents were great and their, you know, all that. So well, Trey Edmonds, was, Trey, Trey Colbert who raved, wasn't it? I thought, oh, I, was, thought I thought they both did. Tomlin. Cause, cause didn't Edmonds come from a similar area of Virginia that Tomlin grew up into? Yes, I think so. With that tidewater uh, region, no, Norfolk. The the tie-in from a personal standpoint was that Colbert knew the father. Okay, from years ago. Okay, who who was a tight end in the NFL? Okay. Anyway, at any rate, whatever. Trey's not making the team. Trey's not making the team. Trey Edmonds is. Let me put it this way. Trey Edmonds is the offensive equivalent of Jordan Dangerfield. There's he shouldn't be on the roster, 
but he seems to the last two years because of injuries his way, but he's found his way onto the year end roster. So because of injuries that, and here's, and he'll here's be, I agree with you. He will be on the practice squad yes. again because say, he's he will that be guy. On the practice squad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll be on the practice squad, and because they can, they actually have larger practice squads this year. They can have 16 players instead of 10, and I think up to six of those guys can have unlimited NFL experience. And they can so, protect, right. I think, four, right? I think, yeah, and each, four every week. Each week they designate four guys as protected. Yes, and I haven't been able to find out if if uh, and I and it's not for lack of trying. I have not yeah. been able to find out if the guys that get protected and cannot be be poached by right. other teams. If right. they get paid more, you Ooh. would think if they're going to deny you the opportunity to to join a, a roster, they've right. got to pay you more, right? Ooh, boy, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I so, would think that the, that the union would insist upon it. Yeah, yeah. For for those that don't know, if if you're a practice squad player and and let's say a, a team wants to sign you, when they do, they have to sign you to their active squad. They they can't poach you, and, right? They they can't poach you and just stick you on their practice squad. Which means if you're going to be on the active roster, then yeah, the the money's going to be different. So that's that's a really good point. Um, yeah, and and you get paid a minimum of three weeks salary at that rate. Even if right. they cut you, even if they cut you, they owe you that money for three weeks. Right. Um, well, so Ben, your your thoughts on the running back situation, just your, your overall thoughts, and then uh, you know whether or not you, you see a, a guy that's the odd man out, and, and whether or not any of these guys have any sort of trade value, because I saw it being discussed on social media today. I I think that going into this season without camp or this abbreviated sort of semi camp thing yeah. we got going this year, it's all going to be known quantities all of them i mean tomlin right away out of the gate said yeah tyson alawala is gonna be on my nose tackle mm-hmm. and the same thing is going to apply at running back since you know that bears in this conversation um i see it being the depth chart being what it was at the beginning of last year and you know i, I think it'll be james connor who comes in as the number one and given tomlin's track record he will run his wheels off because that's what Tomlin does with yes. running backs. It's just what he does. Yep. And uh, I see Samuels being the number two back because he's more dynamic than a Benny Snell, who is strictly a between-the-tackles runner. He's not a very good blocker. He's not a very good receiver. Uh, I see Snell making the, the roster, and then I see McFarland making the roster because he is that he is that home-run hitter. He really is the guy that – I think can be a feature back in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see him in there as a three down player, unless his receiving ability improves and his, his blitz pickups got to improve based yes. upon his tape. But uh, you know, that those are things they can develop and maybe next year he can be that guy this year. He's a developmental player, but I see him keeping four running backs uh, it seems like every year they lose one or two or three to injury, and a guy like Trey Edmonds ends up on the damn roster. Uh, <laughs> so having four won't hurt him at all. Uh, they've talked about using uh, Derek Watt as both fullback, H-back, potentially tight end. But I don't know yeah. how you're going to do that. You got you got tight ends already. Now we're, you know, I would think they're going to run a lot of either 22 or 12 
Um, well, well, in that vein, let me let me in. ask you, Ben. Though, let me ask you this: Who would you rather have blocking? Would you rather have him or Zach Gentry? Uh well, unless Gentry's come a long way in his blocking, I'd rather have Watt. Right. So I'm I'm just looking at it from that that aspect of your three tight ends because then if they if they view Watt as that, I guess they can use him in that that style once in a while. But I don't know. Just uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to. I don't know what they're going to do exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that's kind of my take on it. I don't see them necessarily keeping six wide receivers this year because they've got those two good receiving tight ends. Yep. Um, they've got Samuels, who's a good receiving back. Uh, they've got this home run hitter kid that they want to develop. He's going to take up essentially an extra spot at running back where they're going to, you know, end up keeping four, in my opinion. So they'll probably keep five wide receivers and four running backs and then a fullback. And then, yeah, the three tight ends. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get lucky and Zach Gentry will get cut, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, they're just not that deep there. They're not that deep there at, at, uh, at tight end. Um. Yeah, I mean that's basically the way I see it working out. I I don't see McFarland doing much in September. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just he's gonna take some time to develop. Uh, he's gonna have to learn the offense. Uh, as as Ian pointed out, you know Tomlin, Tomlin, and, and I'm sure Fickner both like those guys that have been there, done that, and that they can rely upon. And that's. You know, that's the way it's going to go. We're going to go with what we know to start with. And if these other guys can catch up to the moving train and, you know, surpass mm-hmm. their peers in terms of development, things will work out and, you know, they will get more reps. But they're right out of the gate. They're not going to. They're just, they're just not. Yeah. And, and, and one of the, the questions we had on Instagram tonight was was from Zach. And he, he was talking about, you know, he loves James Conner, but you know, what about a backfield ultimately of, of Snell and McFarland? And, and I, I think Ben, you answered that question. It's going to take time uh, for McFarland and all these rookies to really pick things up because the, the preseason training camp, if you will, is just so unusual. There just isn't that usual amount of time to absorb everything. So yeah, maybe, maybe by October. Um, and I, maybe look, we'd, all, we'd all like sooner. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think that's what we're looking at. Um Ian, uh, put your Kevin Colbert hat on a minute here. Um, Somebody uh, calls you from team blah, 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 and says, hey, what do you think about Samuels? We're interested in him. Is he going to garner anything? I mean, could he get you anything on the market? A seventh round pick, probably like a a conditional sixth if he gets playing time. Or, I I mean, I'm probably thinking a conditional sixth with playing time, but more likely a seventh. Something else, you know, uh, and he's probably the only one on the roster that's going to get you anything. Um, I mean, outside of Connor, who Mm -hmm. wouldn't fetch more than a fifth. I mean, probably lucky with a sixth, considering he's in the last year of his contract and he's got an injury history. So, yeah, um, any player you give up on the the currency seems to be a sixth round pick unless you're you're talking about the same division. That's why they paid more for for Wormley. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one other just sort of interesting point of note mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, running backs are are not a durable position at all. So <laughs> last year there was only five running backs that actually started all sixteen games: uh, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, and Philip Lindsay. Yeah, how um, was McCaffrey one of those guys? That's I'm crazy. Shocked. Yeah. That By dude. the way, hello Molly. Now, how are you this evening? 
now uh one <laughs> oh, yeah i've got my daughter here too um but uh one other uh one other one one note on that too um that joe mixon carlos hyde sony michelle um david montgomery uh miles sanders raheem mozart and ronald jones played in all 16 games but weren't credited with 16 starts Start. so you know there's another handful another five guys that played in all 16 games or six guys whatever yeah. it is but still out of out of 32 teams you had five running backs that started every game like yeah. you're yeah. you need a, a deep backfield in in you, today's you nfl i'm just amazed that that McCaffrey was one of them because he's he's little how can he be oh, that durable I'm such shocked. abuse just takes such abuse too uh yeah. what well Ben to that to that point wh- why can't I mean you know you and I uh a little bit older than Ian so we we grew up a little bit more uh 70s 80s 90s where running backs just I mean, had ridiculous amounts of touches every year and, and seemingly stayed healthy. What what is what has happened in the last 10, 15 years that this has changed so drastically? Players have gotten bigger, stronger, and faster for starters. Across um, the board. Across just, the board. Yeah, it isn't yeah. it's also a question of their them covering more space before they collide. Mm. Everything's spread out. The offense is more spread out as a result. The defenses are more spread out. There's more ground to cover before you can make that tackle. You're moving at a faster speed of rate because you, you've got an extra step or two before you hit that guy. Um, as well, you know, offensive line play is not great. Um, it, it was better. That's true. I agree. Offensive line play is crap. Um, and so guys, guys get hit. In my opinion, guys get hit a lot closer to the line than they used to back, say, like the eighties, seventies, eighties. You know, a guys would there'd be a hole, and a guy would get three or four yards into the defensive backfield before there was any contact. You know, uh, and now, nah, they, and, that's and, rare. And a lot of that's due to the overwhelming pass heavy offenses and, and, you know, in college. Exactly. And it's, it's due to primarily it's due to poor pass blocking instruction for these guys and run blocking instruction, offensive line instruction um, in college now, because it's all about the spread offense and it's about holding your block for a very limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. So the techniques are all different and they don't do any soft work. They just, you know, that that's basically where, you're not colliding fast. You're just you're getting up against a guy, and you're thinking about where to put your hands, where they're supposed to be, to move him the direction you want him to go, or more importantly, not let him go the direction he wants to go. Um, they don't do any of that in college anymore. The only guy who still does it is Kirk Ferentz, and he turned. He what? You there? Uh, oh, there you are. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. What just lost happened? you for a brief minute? I don't know. Just lost you for a minute. Uh, okay. I don't know. Um, Satellites. So, did you hear Kirk Ferentz? I, I, that's that? the last thing I heard. Okay. So Kirk Ferentz is a guy who still turns out great, great blockers every year because yeah. he he does that kind of detail work mm-hmm. where they just 
they lean guys up against each other and they go, okay, you're going to put your hands here and here. And if he tries to move this way, you counter like this. And if he tries to move this way, you counter like this and you hold your block. But he's the only guy who teaches that kind of technique or he, he's one of the few, excuse Very me, few. who yep. teaches that kind of technique. For the most part, college linemen are taught to hold their blocks for a, a very short period of time. And then the play, the ball's gone. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really all they got to do. And so when they get into the NFL, they got to learn to block. They got to learn to play. Um, I can't really say that about uh, the guy that uh, the, the guard the Steelers drafted this year. <laughs> Guys, oh, my he's, God, he's a road grader. I don't know how he's going to do as, a, as a, a pass blocker, but as a run blocker, oh. <laughs> and he likes contact. You yes, can he does. Tell. Oh, Kevin Donson. Yeah, he, Donson. Dotson He's a man. likes him some contact. Yes, and I don't expect him to do much this year either. I don't expect him to probably even see the field this year. But- well, you know, and, and that's uh, one of the other Instagram questions uh, that I had here from uh, BB Sports Media asked, which Steelers rookie do you think makes the biggest impact this year? And, uh, you know, I think as you've, we've both are all alluded to, that's going to be so difficult with the way things have set up for this, this training camp. Um, but uh, Ian, who, who's your guy? I mean, if if you you know rubbed your crystal ball there, I mean, who who's the rookie you think could have the biggest impact? I mean, you know, Claypool seems like the easy answer because he's probably the one that's going to score the most touchdowns. And yeah. you know, even if he even if he scores three, like I I doubt McFarland scores three unless he gets a, like one on a kick return or something. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith just for special teams contributions. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he sees the field a whole lot on defense, right. um, but I think he'll see a lot of special teams time. And that guy likes to, speaking of liking to hit people, yep. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that guy likes to hit people. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to go with Highsmith. Um, one other closing thought on the running back since, you know, Ben had mentioned about, you know, players get further down the field and, and the yeah. things used to be a lot more packed in. I just looked up real quick, like Emmett Smith's career, like yards per attempt, right? Yeah. Emmett Smith played 15 years in the NFL. He only had three seasons where he averaged more than four and a half yards per carry. Now, Le'Veon Bell in his short time in Pittsburgh also had three seasons where he averaged more than four and a half yards per carry. So, Interesting. You know, Emmett Smith's whole career was basically volume based, right? He didn't, he, he wasn't, I mean, he got a lot of big runs. Don't get me wrong, but like from a a yards per carry standpoint, it was, it was longevity and it was volume. I mean, he had Smith had one, two, three, four, five. It had an amazing. Yeah. Smith had like seven or eight years with, more than 290 with more than 300 carries so you know like it it was it was just the volume of carries that he got and it kind of gets back to that you know three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing you mm-hmm. know you run three yards you get hit by the lineman or the you know the inside linebackers you, you fall down but you're, you're you're not taking the abuse in the open field which i thought was a great point by ben with the the speed factor and the the spread offense factor yeah, and uh, Ben was your rookie guy is uh, McFarland. Is that who you were alluding to? Uh oh, I think I think Highsmith is actually a, a very yeah. good choice. McFarland, 
I think will make a greater contribution in November and December than he does in September. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's going to be one of those guys who comes on late, later anyway. Uh, Claypool, I think he'll have opportunities to score touchdowns. He'll, he'll be used more in the red zone than he will, you know, in the other 60 yards of the field. Right. Primarily because he doesn't know the offense yet. He doesn't have the chemistry with, uh, with Ben yet that you like to have between receivers and quarterbacks. But the thing he does have is a very good skill set with 50 50 balls. We talked about it when he was drafted. He's a bully. Yeah, good point. He, he's a bully. And he is. in the red zone, having a tall guy who's got a, a good skill set with 50 50 balls, you take advantage of that. It wouldn't shock me if he had four or five touchdowns this year and only had, you know, 35 receptions. Yeah. I can see it that. Would, it wouldn't shock me at all um, because it would just be one of these things where, you know, they're they're just throwing him the ball in the red zone initially anyway. And if he gets one touchdown a month, that's four touchdowns, you know. And, so I, I'm not going to be shocked if that's the case. And he, he's also got a little bit of an advantage because he's, he's, he's got a chance to go up against some pretty good corners in practice too. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Hayden has – been around the block a few times and I'm thinking we'll probably show that rookie just about everything he's going to see from from opposing DBs you know maybe I'm wrong but I, I would yeah, like to think so and that, that, that depends know. on how much scrimmaging they actually do you know oh, yeah. where it's, yeah. it's like it's scout team versus the number one D if that's the case and yeah he will get mm-hmm. that if uh if he's running a lot of seven on seven and you know a lot of drills he's not going to see the best corners given his position. In yeah, the, in yeah, the I know chart. what you're, yeah, yeah. You know, in the pecking order right now. You are listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated, serving Broward County and the southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. And um, that reminds me, you know, Florida had a little – tropical storm hurricane come through there the only companies that ever like hurricanes are roofing companies they their phones go off the hook as soon as the the hurricane comes through so um if you ever see any cheerleading for for a hurricane it's usually by the roofers because they, they know they're getting, they're getting paid. i i would think the plywood dealers are pretty happy about oh that, yeah there's right another before one. they yeah. before the hurricane comes Beforehand. in yeah yeah it's something we don't really have to worry about in our parts but Nope. That is me. Um, you know, I, I wanted to address one uh, thing here real quick that, that we did talk about on the last show. But, you know, Mike Tomlin made the comment that when he addressed the team and, and he said, guys, in our, our current pandemic that we are in, um, if, if one of you fail, then, then all of us fail. And those words to me have gotten bigger, bolder, italicized, if you will, each and every day since then, because, and, and I'll go to baseball because baseball has been the best example of that. You know, you've had the the Cardinals, the Marlins, and, and now potentially the Indians. Um, a couple of guys on these teams made poor choices. They, they failed. They went to a, a club. They went to a casino. They had to go to the bar to get out, you know, whatever. And they brought COVID back. And, uh, you know, I don't know the, the pitcher's name uh, uh, for the Indians, but, man, he laid into his teammates. 
uh, basically saying, you guys got to earn our trust back because we're all trying to do the right thing and you just screwed it for everybody. Um, and so I, I think Tomlin was absolutely on the ball here. Now, it wasn't anything revolutionary because I think a lot of coaches were saying this, but it's he's our coach, you know, and so he's the one we pay the most attention to. And and so Ian, is is he, I mean, is he barking up the right tree here? He is absolutely barking up the right tree. Actually, um, Chris Adamski, who writes for the uh, Trib here in Pittsburgh, had a great tweet today that I'll, I'll just read it off. The The rate of overall U.S. population that is tested positive for COVID-19 is approximately 1.5%. Since Major League Baseball started playing three weeks ago, judging by the positive tests that have been reported, the rate of 1,800-plus players who've been on rosters that have tested positive is also approximately 1.5%. So Major League Baseball, which some people have seen as a failure because of the outbreaks on two teams, potentially three, um, but the the overall testing rate is basically the same as the general population. Now, if you take into account the fact that you know two of the major outbreaks were because guys deviated from the plan, you know, the Marlins guys went to the nightclub and the Cardinals guys went to a casino. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably, the the overall Major League Baseball rate would be a lot lower if those guys hadn't done that. So uh, I think Tomlin's message absolutely rings true that if you stick to the plan, the plan has shown that it can work. I mean, overall in baseball, baseball would be lower than the general public if those guys hadn't gone out and done selfish things. So yep. I, I think the the big takeaway for me here is that if you put a plan in place, it can work as long as everyone sticks to the plan. Yeah. yeah. Ben, I, I assume you're going to go in that same direction. Right now, the, the positive, uh, positive rate in the NFL is less than 1%. Mm-hmm. But daily testing will continue indefinitely, basically, is what they've said. So September 5th, I think. Well, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. roll with it for the time being, and they they yeah. haven't really decided when they're going to pull it. Uh, initially, yeah, it was September fifth. Now they're like, yeah, until we decide it's not. So it, it could go longer than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, thus far things are going pretty well, and as long as guys realize that they're not just risking their own health, they're also risking the health of their teammates, their coaches, and their families. And they don't do anything dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This could work out. Knock on wood. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, Tomlin, Tomlin gets knocked a lot for cliches and all these other things, but I, I think he was spot on there. And I, I think that was definitely worth uh, revisiting. Um, I, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball and talk a little bit of depth. Uh, Mark Cabali, who of course used to be for Trib live for so long um, now at the athletic.com. Uh, he he hopefully didn't jinx us at all, but he wrote an article recently about Devin Bush and the fact that if he's injured, that defense basically is in magnificent trouble. Um, how are they going to address the depth there, Ben? I, I mean, Vince saw limited snaps last year. Um, I mean, they've, they've got Ulysses Gilbert, who who we know is a really fast player, but but was hurt last year. I mean, there's not much there. What what on earth are we going to do here? Well, the NFL has finally lifted their moratorium on tryouts, so uh, you're going to see more guys signed. I mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of the available inside linebackers personally. Right. Um, I don't know 
what I would do. Uh, maybe a combination of of uh, Gilbert and um, their draft pick Brooks. I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, Sliding gonna, him down, yeah. You can yeah. put Vince in there in that spot on you know on first and second down, but if it's an obvious passing down, he's outmatched. It just isn't. Right. Does work. Um, the thing they do have going for them is their defensive front between the line and and the edge players is mm-hmm. very strong, very very strong, um, and their defensive backfield is very strong. So, I disagree that they're in a world of hurt if mm-hmm. Bush goes down, mm-hmm. uh, but they are in a bad position. The nice yeah. thing about having uh, a, a key guy like that you got to count on in a, in a Devin Bush is that he's young. Um, he's statistically anyway, he's less likely to be injured for and, and stay yeah. out for a long period of time. Um, he's more likely to heal quickly than would an older player. Yeah. So we got that going for us, which is um, nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. But yeah. I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Gilbert who they obviously, obviously based upon the way they've handled their off season between the draft and their signings, they obviously have a lot of faith in him mm-hmm. and they see something there that we haven't seen yet. And uh, they feel pretty comfortable with things. So, you know, yeah, I, I it makes me feel better bearing that in mind. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Um, certainly having long tenure defensive linemen in front of those linebackers. Oh helps. yeah. Because there are little things that the line can do to make sure that blockers don't get off the line, to take on those linebackers, and that makes their life much easier. Um, Switching over to uh, the secondary, which you alluded to, uh, a lot of discussion about um, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick getting moved around a lot more this year. And, and, and of course, I I think that's something that we would expect. Uh, You know, he came over once the season had already started, so – you're, you're a little limited in how much you can actually do and teach there. Um, but, but some talk of, of Cam Sutton in that rotation back there as well. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you envision that working uh, with Minka moving all over? What, what should, should fans expect to see in regards to that? Uh, well, rumor has it that they're expanding Sutton's role this year um, mm-hmm. and that Mike Hilton is still just going to play on first and second down because they view him as a good tackler. Um, So they're going to keep him in there. Then they're going to bring Sutton in as a dime on third down. But they're also talking about in a three safety alignment, having Sutton at safety and freeing up Minka to read more and jump more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Minka seems to think that he can do more to bait quarterbacks run the wrong direction on purpose and then come back toward the ball and, and create turnovers. Yeah. Um, things along those lines. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm a little dubious yet as to what's going to take place there. Uh, I'm not a fan of Cam Sutton as a tackler. Having him in there no. free safety is not, not exactly ideal from my perspective. Now as mm-hmm. a coverage player, as a coverage player, he's fantastic. Much improved. Yep. I just well, no, he's he's been solid all the way along. But last year he was he was amazing 
Well, I say I say much improved because I, I know me anyway. I wasn't overly impressed when he came out of Tennessee. Oh, uh, I thought in coverage, I thought he was. I thought he's always been great. I I just oh good anyway. Last year he yeah. was great. He's yeah. always been good, uh, but just his tackling just leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. And having that be the last line of defense on your defense, eh? You know, I mean, it's like Mike Mitchell. No, no, <laughs> he's Mitch, he's Mitchell better than Mitchell could hit. Hit, tackle, two different things. Yes. It's true. True. And no, uh, no, Mitchell had no clue where the ball was. I mean, I remember watching a play that happened right in front of my seats at Heinz Field where Mike Mitchell hit a guy, knocked the ball out, and it's laying there on the ground. And Mitchell starts celebrating and uh-huh. walking like towards the fans and like throwing oh, yeah. his arms up in the air. And the other team recovered the ball. I and, remember. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gonna miss that. Yeah, me too. Gonna miss that a lot. Uh, So, you know, this rookie Brooks. I I mean, you know, we we talked about the running backs and how we we've got you know really Snell is the only between the tackles hammer type guy. I I mean, the safety position seems to be filled with guys who are kind of in the box type tacklers. Uh, What 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 can we expect of this Brooks kid? Uh, Ian, I'll go with you first. So there was an old Jerry Seinfeld joke where he said, if the black box is the only thing, only thing in the plane that survives the crash, why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> Apparently, our strategy on defense for years has been, why don't we build the whole defense out of strong safeties? Yep. Because the one year they drafted both Terrell Edmonds and Marcus Allen, who yeah. are both in the box, strong safety type players. Um, and then they went out and signed Morgan Burnett, who is also an in the box, strong safety type player, or at least better at that role. Actually, his best role was leaking stuff to the media, but we won't go there. Um, and then, I mean, and don't get me wrong, true center fielding free safeties are incredibly hard to come by, which yeah. is when why when you find a guy like Minka, like uh, Earl Thomas, you know, those are guys that are worth paying money for because, or giving up assets for, because Mm -hmm. a true center fielding free safety is really hard to come by. Those guys that can really cover sideline to sideline and can locate the ball in the air. Ryan Clark was a decent free safety. He was a good tackler. He knew where the ball was going, but he couldn't find it in the air. I mean, he missed a bunch of interceptions that he could have had throughout his career if he just knew how to look for the ball in the air. Yeah, in fairness, though, the thing that Ryan excelled at, Ryan Clark, was covering for Troy. Yeah, he did. He did. Because Troy had carte blanche to freelance and do whatever he wants. There were times I was watching Troy – and he would turn his back on the play and run to where the ball was going. And a lot of times he was right. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. lot of the time he was right. But at sometimes he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there were there were times where Troy would line up like in the A-gap next to Casey Hampton like he was blitzing. And his role was to be in a cover two. And he would get back there to play yeah. the cover two. Yeah. But you're right. It was it was that turn you back to the play and, and, and haul ass back to your cover two spot. Yeah. You know, 20 <laughs> yards downfield. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, Troy did freelance a lot. So yeah, Minka yeah. is really the only true free safety they have. There are a lot of safeties out there on the free agent market, which I know we're getting close to wrapping up here. But yeah, um, that is something that the NFL opened up workouts again this week. So there, you're going to see a, a plethora of players get signed. Um, see some movement. Street free agents. Yeah, there's there, there's already been a couple, not by the Steelers, but just around the league. So yeah. Steelers don't have a ton of cap room, but they could probably afford to sign a couple guys. So we'll see if they sign anyone. Safety sure. depth is is really short after um, you know the top guys and mm-hmm. uh, Brooks. The the draft pick is is another one of those you know in the box free safety or strong safety type guys. Um, that being said, you know considering you're starting inside linebackers, another position they don't have much depth at are. Devin Bush, good three down player, and Vince mm-hmm, Williams, mm-hmm. one to two down player, very good run defender, kind of a liability in pass coverage. They used him almost as a sub for Stefan Tuit last year after Tuit went out. That, you know, they play Hayward as the one down lineman and put Williams in, but Williams was always blitzing and never had to be exposed to pass coverage. So, that being said, you know, I think the ideal is to be able to plug in a, a strong safety type player at inside linebacker on those, you know, third down or long second down obvious passing situations they can cover running backs out of the backfield they can cover tight ends or could occasionally blitz that's the long-term goal i don't know if they'll get there but that's yeah i I, it seems to be where they're headed and of course uh you know as players start to move around a little bit too we'll we'll see exactly what happens and what what kevin colbert and company are thinking in that regard um ben any final thoughts before we wrap up this edition yeah i'm still at a loss and trying to figure out whether or not there will be fans at Heinz Field at all or right. how limited it's going to be. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, when Vince Williams tweeted today, man, it's going to suck without Renegade. That You know, basically what he was saying is the crowd always hypes up the team. Yep. And, and he loves the fact that the crowd is there to do it. And to a certain extent, we're going to lose some whole field advantage because oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not quite the home field advantage that, that the team once enjoyed at Three Rivers because it's not that loud. But agree. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It, we're we're going to see what happens here. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's yeah, my thoughts. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, uh, it, it, I guess I just want football. And I'll, I'll worry about the, the fans God, and yes. how many and, and all that other stuff later. But uh Anyway, we will uh, get on out of here for this edition and uh, get back at you next week with all the latest from training camp and and player moves, coaching decisions, all that wonderful stuff. But, uh, again, thank you to uh, Deck Roofing of South Florida for sponsoring us. And that will do it on this edition of the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. And, hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck.